can be seated. It's good to see you 11 o'clock. Maybe it's a little miracle that you even made it this morning. I'm glad to see you. I'm glad you're a part of this place. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to open up with the last, I guess we're not opening. We've already opened up. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into the last message um, in our series called Restored, and the title of this message is called Restored, so super creative right there, and uh, I'm excited to be wrapping it up, um, talking about how God restores us, uh, yeah, so let's just pray and we'll get right into it. Dear God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have here to worship you and so many miracles that surround us every day. We miss them. We're a little self-absorbed sometimes. We're looking for big things. But your faithfulness shines through in so many little moments, and that's how we're here. That's why we're here. So this morning, Father, I just pray that you'd help us understand your word, that you would encourage those who need encouragement, comfort those who need comfort, that your spirit would Move in this place and do your thing. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Restored. That's the last, that's the series we've been in. We've been talking about it for a couple weeks. And uh, today we're wrapping it up with verse 10. I hope you're ready to go here. This morning, if you have your Bibles, I just want to start by reading uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and the passage that we've been kind of hanging out with for the last couple of weeks, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, we give them away every week. You'd be glad, just hit somebody up at Welcome and um, they'd be glad to hook you up. If you didn't bring a Bible, don't feel bad about it, I got mine. And so you can just listen in. I like to write in my Bibles though, so for those of you that like to write, there's some stuff to scribble down today. It says this in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. It's the due time part we struggle with a lot, and we're going to spend some time talking about today, but that was message number one in this series, stay humble. If you want to do something practical to experience restoration in your life, it's likely that if you're struggling to experience restoration, maybe it's pride that's getting in the way. You ever have pride? mess with a relationship and keep you from restoring something that maybe is broken or frustrated or uh, humble yourself. So we talked week one about staying humble. Verse seven, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The message for that passage was called anxiety hack. And uh, I shared my own personal journey slash struggle with anxiety. And that didn't scare you away. You're still here. So thank you for that. Anxiety is a real thing, and being spiritual or close to God does not mean that you're exempt from dealing with real things like anxiety. Being strong enough or some kind of hero in your world does not mean that you'll never have to walk through anxiety. Anxiety is something that a whole lot of us have to walk through. It's implied in the passage. You got to keep casting your anxiety like God knew it's not a one-and-done thing. It's no like magic little wand to wave so you don't ever have to deal with it anymore. Anxiety is something that you have to cast continually onto God. It's something you can cast because he cares for you. 
Then the following week, we hit up verse 8. It says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's a good feeling gone, right? Like, head on a swivel was the title of that message. And we talked about what it means to be alert, that there is an enemy, not a popular conversation, not a part of a reality we like to admit, but Jesus was very clear about it. There's an, a thief that's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Your battle is not with people. It's with this thief who wants to see you devoured, wants to see you devoured and swallowed up by your struggle, by your sins, by your depression, by your anxiety, by whatever it is that you're struggling with. He wants to see you swallowed up. But the good news is that Jesus came to give you life and he's the one who overcomes. But we talked about the importance of being alert and having your head on a swivel. So you're not buying into the lies the enemy's throwing at you. So you're not falling for the tricks that he's laying out in front of you. Keep your head on a swivel. And then resist was the last one. And verse 9 says this. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Resist, and we talked about how to fight right. When we fight wrong, we multiply the hurt. We multiply the damage. We multiply the consequences. You've experienced that in real life you've had, when you've had a fight with somebody you care about, and it spins out of control, and next thing you know, you're not really fighting about what you started fighting about. It's kind of lost in the moment, and you're saying things and acting in a way that you're not super proud of. There, there's a different way to fight, and, and it's looking for the greater good, the bigger picture. Your struggle isn't with people. It's with the enemy and principalities of darkness. Like there's a, there's a bigger picture and there's a greater good that you should be looking for. That's how we fight. We fight, we fight on our knees in prayer. We fight by singing worship. It, it, nothing better to take your focus off your circumstances and onto God than, than fighting that way. And then this week, we're talking about the restoration piece, and it's verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, that's not the good part, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Sometimes you just got to hold on. And sometimes holding on can be very hard. I remember like going to the county fair and uh, one of my best friends, John Jacobs, he's an assistant basketball coach for Baylor University, sick and bears, nobody, nobody. And uh, we were both newly married and went to the fair. I'm not gonna name the fair, but it's around here. It's, it's the county fair. And... Um, I'm not actually going to say like Schuylkill County Fair in the same sentence, but you get the idea. So uh, we go there and we thought it would be cool to ride this ride. It's called the Salt and Pepper Shaker. We get up there. Our girls are like, our women, our, our wives were like, this is a bad idea. That doesn't look safe. And we we're like, ha, ha, ha. We laugh in the face of danger. Let's have a little fun. We get in there. We're like, it's the Salt and Pepper Shaker is the one that spins around like, and you get, you, like the thing starts spinning. There's like two of them. And they kind of go around like this. And. They're spinning, and we're halfway through a spin at the top, and the door flies open. Now, I don't know, but the Schuylkill County Fair version of the ride doesn't seem like it has 
upgraded seatbelts. Like, it's like somebody said, oh, we forgot the seatbelts. And some dude was like, I got one, and pulled off his belt. And they just kind of stuck it in there and tied a little knot. So we're dangling in this thing, holding on to the door, desperately trying to keep it closed. It's a lot harder to hold on when it's not just physically holding on. When the ride is really long and hard and difficult and you're worn out and tired, like there's holding on when you just physically gotta hold on to something and then there's holding on when you've been waiting a really long time to see restoration in your life. And that's way harder than trying to hold on to a door on a roller coaster because you know the roller coaster ride's gonna end in a minute. It's gonna end in a minute. You just gotta hold on for a minute. But how about those times in life where you gotta hold on and nobody's saying it's, it's gonna be just a minute. It's only gonna be just a minute. You just gotta hold on for a minute. Like nobody's saying that to you. And you've been asking, God, how long do I have to hold on? I've been in this depression for so long, I've been struggling with this anxiety for so long, I've been dealing with this shattered relationship for so long, I've been haunted by my past for so long, I've felt the pain and guilt of this mistake for so long, I don't know if I can hold on anymore. It's a lot harder to hold on when nobody told you when the ride's gonna end. You just gotta hold on. See, what, what I wanna talk to you a little bit about today is we're gonna get to the restoration part, but the problem with this restoration part is it doesn't happen on our time. And you can do everything right. You can stay humble, keep your pride in check. You, you can keep casting your anxiety on God. Like every day, you, just, you can just make a habit of casting your anxiety on God. I feel the worry, I feel the anxiety, but I'm gonna give it to him. I'm gonna, you can do that right every day. You can keep your head on a swivel and be paying attention for the lies that are coming in and when you feel the lies from the enemy about who you are and about who God is, you can just cast those things right out. You can resist him, fighting right, hitting your knees, singing the songs, doing all the stuff that you're supposed to do that leads to restoration, and yet you still got to wait for it. And I don't know what areas of your life you're like hoping to feel some restoration in. I don't know what areas you've been like thinking about maybe through the series and you're like, man, I just wish that relationship could be restored. I wish, I wish I could talk to my kid again. I, I wish that my purpose would be restored. I've just felt so lost and I, like I'm not connecting with my purpose. Maybe you've been really struggling with your meaning and value and your identity and you're like, I just want my sense of self-worth to be restored and I don't know what you've been waiting for God to restore. I believe it's coming, but I gotta say, I don't know when, and you just gotta hold on. Gotta hold on, that's the hard part. You see, what has been sprinkled throughout this passage is that God's timing is not our timing. The humility we gotta keep 
keep riding in humility, but did you catch when it said that he'll lift you up in his time? Did, did you catch this part about how you're going to have to suffer a little while, but then God himself will restore you? Like, that's the trouble for me. I have a tough time waiting a minute for a slice of pizza to get warm in a microwave. It's just, I have a tough time wondering where, what happened to the rest of the family when I'm in the car first. It seemed like we were all ready to get out the door, and then they're all probably watching and being like, yeah, you're never out the door first. Once in a while, once in a while, I beat everybody. I have a tough time with being patient and waiting and the longer you have to wait, and the more serious and deep the thing is that you're waiting for, man, the tougher an exercise of faith it is. And maybe you've given up hope. Or maybe you wouldn't say that, but the hope's been dwindling. You've been struggling and just feeling like maybe God's punishing you or Maybe you're just not cut out for it. Maybe, maybe you deserve what you're getting right now. Can I, can I just encourage you? Like the whole point of this message is hold on. You can trust God to restore what is lost and what is broken. Not because of who you are or what you can do or how well you follow the four simple practical steps to restoration. You can hope again because your restoration is not dependent on you. It is who God is. And it is what he does. There's a story in John chapter 5. It's a powerful story. Um, it's the first couple verses in that passage. And I'm not going to be able to read the whole thing just for time's sake, but I'd like to just take a couple seconds and kind of maybe paraphrase through it and get to the part that we want to focus in. See, there was this gate leading into Jerusalem and Jesus was in Jerusalem to celebrate one of the feasts and, and, and uh, there was this gate in Jerusalem called the Sheep Gate. It, it was literally called the Sheep Gate because it's where they brought the sheep in to the city to take to the temple to sacrifice and um, shepherds would use it as their point of access and entrance into the city uh, with their flocks um, for delivery upon the, to the temple and all that stuff. By the sheep gate is this pool, and this pool is called the Pool of Bethesda. Now, I can't explain this to you. It's a miracle. It's maybe one of a million miracles, million, million miracles. Like, I can't explain it to you, but I can tell you this, that um, something absolutely incredible would happen at this pool. Like, once in a while, the water would be stirred up. It says in Scripture that the angel of the Lord would stir the water. And the first person who was suffering waiting for some healing, some restoration, because when God heals, he always restores. He puts, would, would get in the water when the angel of the Lord would stir it, would find healing. That's absolutely incredible. Like, we don't have time to get into that or the theological implications of that or any of that stuff today. Just know that, man, it's part of, like, a mystery and an exciting miracle of God. But because of that, all these sick people, it says many sick people in the passage, they would gather here, by the sheep gate and next to this pool of Bethesda waiting for the water to be stirred and then it was like this kind of 
I want to say competition, to get in there first and experience healing. Now think about this crowd by this pool. I mean, these people are in rough shape. Been sitting there for a long time. You don't like go to the pool to chill out as your first option to get better. Like it's your last option. You've exhausted all the things you could exhaust. How many nights must they have gone to temple to offer prayers for their healing? How many doctors did they seek out or alternative medicine people? I mean, all the oils, they just like, all the essential oils are in the purse, you know, like not just the one for migraines. This is the place you go, like your last resort and hope just seems to be squirting away from these people gathered here. There was this one guy, he was there 38 years. 38 years. Man, you've had a week that's felt like forever, haven't you? You ever have a day that's felt like forever? 38 years. Doesn't just feel like forever. You start to believe it's gonna be forever. 38 years of pain, 38 years of not being able to move his legs. This invalid, scripture says, was there 38 years laying by the pool, time and time again. You see, see what makes this passage so crazy is this, this is a lot like Christians today. I think we know that restoration can happen because we heard a story once. Somebody shared it in our small group. We call it a testimony sometimes. Like, like we've seen a few marriages that seemed like they were on the brink, but then all of a sudden, you know, they're back in church and together and everything seems happy. We've seen a few people and we've heard stories about healing and restoration, but most of the time, when it comes to our daily life, we think, yeah, that's great. I know it's out there, but it's just not for me. Maybe it's not what I deserve or maybe it's not what I can experience. We watch people. We want to get in the pool, right? We just don't have the help. Just don't have the standing. We just don't, we're not fast enough. And what starts to happen is we start to see God for smaller than who he is. He can help them, but he couldn't help me. He could forgive that, but he couldn't forgive this. He could accept them, but he's probably not going to accept me. We start to see God for smaller than who he is, and we start to see our circumstances and our challenges for bigger than what they are. The longer you sit there, the harder it seems to grab hold of hope. The harder it is to hold on the less we start to believe that God actually has good for us, purpose for us, meaning for us, that he actually wants to restore who we are. I've felt like that. Have you? When Jesus says to the guy, do you want to get well? Let me just read. I didn't read that part. I should read that part. Jesus, he comes here next to this guy. He's lying there. Can't get up. It's been there 38 years. And he looks at him and he says, do you want to get 
well? It seems like an easy question. Like I can, I can pass that pop quiz. Yes. <laughs> Simple. One word. Done. Yes. The, the guy, though, do you see what he, he does here? He says, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Like, his focus is so much on the pool, it's so much on the others, it's so much on the people, it's so much on what he doesn't have, and he's, no wonder he feels so small, no wonder the hopelessness starts to escape him. That's not what Jesus asked. Do you want restoration in your life? Stop looking at the pool and the people. All it's doing and focusing on your circumstances, all it's doing is stealing hope from you. All it's doing is exaggerating your challenges and minimizing your God. Do you want to be well? Do you want... See, you say that in a room, a room full of people, and what we do is we go, sounds nice, not for, not for me, couldn't be for me. Dude, he wasn't asking about the pool. He wasn't asking about all the other people. This is one of those make the hair on the back of your neck stand up moments that Jesus drops on somebody where his intense Focus is on the heart of the individual right in front of him. And he just asked that, do you want to be well? Do you want to experience, do you, do you believe it's not for somebody else? It's not a question for the people you're sitting next to. Do you want to see God restore that thing in your life? It's just yes or no. Maybe you're like, I'm good. I don't think I need it. I don't think I need him. Maybe I can try a few more things. That's all right. He'll be there when you've exhausted all of the other options. Patiently, lovingly waiting for you to realize that the restoration you want he has. It's what he does. In First Peter, there's this whole thing. It says, you'll suffer for a little while. That little while, I actually looked at the Greek wording of it because I was like, what's a little while? That's, that doesn't feel like a little while to me, God. I've, I've spent long time waiting for God to show up. It didn't feel like a little while of suffering. I've walked through some pretty thick grief. It didn't feel like a little walk through a little bit of suffering. It felt like forever. And what's interesting about this language here in this passage is this word, you will suffer for a little while, it like means in regards to time, the time you have, the time of your existence, it's just gonna be a little while. And what's so mind-boggling about that is this passage would say 38 years, 
you've suffered for a little while. Because the view is so much bigger than our current circumstances. You see, God is speaking about you as an eternal being. Restoration. It's a little while. I know it feels like a lifetime. Maybe it's a lifetime. But you will experience restoration through God if you belong to him. Your body may degrade and continue to degrade and continue to degrade until you're dust on this earth. But he will restore you. It's a little while in reference to the whole of your existence. And then he will restore you. The hard part is holding on. And there are two things here in this passage that give us reason to hold on. And neither of them are you. He says, the God of all grace will himself. There's the two things. If you've been struggling with hope, if you've been feeling like maybe God can restore other people but he couldn't restore you, what you need to do to lift your eyes off your circumstances is be reminded of these two reasons you can hope for restoration again. And some of you have been afraid to hope for it because you're afraid of being disappointed. You're afraid of the hurt that can come from it. Can I just ask you, like you can hope again. You can hope again, not because people won't disappoint you next time, not because you'll figure it out and do it different next time you can hope again because of who God is and what he does he's the God of all grace that's the same grace that Paul said when he had a thorn in his side and was suffering he asked for it to be removed that's our first ask right like God will you take it away God didn't remove it and he learned something so valuable in those moments in the middle of his suffering it was that God's grace is sufficient for him God's grace, that he loves you completely. That there's nothing you can do to make him love you more or less. He loves you perfectly because he is perfect. This grace, this unmerited favor and pardon, he doesn't just like, love you, he likes you. He offers you this free forgiveness, just a gift for you to accept and embrace. He wants to make you new and restore you to himself and then restore you and your brokenness and restore your heart and make it new and restore you to other people. He's the God of all grace and when you tap in to who he is, you learn his strength in the midst of your weakness. You learn that God's enough no matter what. He's not just the God of all grace. He's a God of all peace. And Moses didn't know how to approach his circumstances. He says, you tell him that I am sent you. He's everything. He's a God of all peace for those of you that are in conflict. He's a God of joy for those of you, God of all joy for those of you who have been struggling to find happiness and, and joy in life, you've been overcome by the darkness and the pain. He's a God of all power. And the same power scripture teaches us that raised Christ from the dead is available to us. You see, you can hope for restoration not because you followed the four steps good. You can hope because of who God is and how he feels about you. The second part is that he's gonna do it. I love that it says he himself. Like, don't, don't get it twisted. It's not you. 
that restores. It's not a sermon that restores. It's not a church. It's not a brand. It's not cool worship music that will restore your soul. It's God himself restoring you. You don't have to do it. You don't have to add another thing to that to-do list that has been suffocating you. You don't have to add another thing to the playlist of your mind that just swirls around all of the expectations everybody has of you and all the places you got to go and all the things you have to accomplish and how you can't let anybody down. You don't have to do it. He says he himself will do it. And that's so encouraging to me because it means to me that you're not too far gone. If he's going to do it, there's no such thing as too far gone. There's no such thing as not forgivable. There's no such thing as it's too broken. If God's gonna do the restoring in your heart, you are not too far gone. That relationship's not too far broken. You are not too messed up. Those mistakes have not been too big for him. You see, your circumstances have been shrinking your view of God. It's time to hope again because of who he is and what he does. He says he himself will restore you and he doesn't just bring us back to par. He does more than we ever could have hoped for. More than we ever could have imagined. He restores and he makes you stronger, firm, steadfast. Such a beautiful description that means God, I read this in a commentary about those three things. And, and the commentator, I forget who it is. If you want to know, I'm going to have to dig it up. I'm just reading it in a bunch of research. It says, strong, steadfast, firm, right? Like, stabilized by his support. And when you're stabilized by his support, man, there's nothing that can shake you. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. It's time to hope again. You can hope for restoration and you can actually experience in your life. Yeah, you, not the person you're sitting next to because you're disqualified from that somehow. You can hope again for restoration. And it's good to stay humble and keep walking in humility. It's gonna open the path for God to do some stuff in your life. It's important to keep casting your anxiety on him because it's how you learn to depend on him and it clears your heart from all the cobwebs your circumstances try to catch you in. It's important to keep your head on a swivel and see what's coming and it's important to fight right and fight back against the enemy who wants to steal from you but ultimately restoration is, is something you can hope to experience as an individual because of who God is and because what he's going to do in your life if you'd simply just yield and maybe here at the end of this message it's time to yield some stuff I'm gonna pray in a second Maybe it's time to say, like, God, I've had this broken thing. I've been waiting so long. I'm just going to yield it to you. I know I may have to wait, but I trust you. I want to see you restore this part of me. I'm going to listen for your voice. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to lift it up to you right now. Maybe you need to see restoration in a relationship that's just blowing apart at pieces and you don't know how to get it back and maybe it's time to just in the quietness of your heart at the end of this thing just to be like God I, I need you to do something here that I can't do I need you to restore 
this part of me. Maybe you've been really struggling and it's been dark for a long time. There's this hidden part of your heart you haven't let anybody into and it's time to say, God, I'm gonna yield this to you. Would you restore it? God restores. It's who he is. And it's what he does. Keep holding on. The one who promised is faithful and he will not disappoint. Dear God, we thank you so much. We've seen it. We've watched you restore broken things. Maybe right now we just need to give you some areas of our life that we need to see restoration in. We yield this stuff to you. It's been exhausting holding on. But we know that you are the God of all grace. And that that grace is sufficient. Help us to know and to feel that you are enough. Help us to experience your presence as we're holding on and waiting on you. We're so grateful that our hope is not placed on ourselves. It's placed on who you are and your character, what you do. We're so thankful for you. In Jesus' name, amen.